Yeah, great is your faithfulness. God has been faithful as we were singing earlier. He was faithful then. He'll be faithful now. And um, 2022 is, is behind us now. And as Pastor Ken read the passage out of uh, Philippians, forgetting what is behind, we lean forward into what's to come. And um, we don't really know what's in front of us, do we, in 2023? No one does. It's, it's a year with a bunch of, for the most part, open squares on the calendar that we will fill up at some point. And what we fill them up with will um, determine in many ways what's most important to us or will reflect what's most important to us. And um, so we're glad you're here today on uh, the first day of a brand new year. And it's a bit of a psychological reset, isn't it? It's just another day in one sense. It just is literally another 24-hour window in time. Uh, but there is this moment where it's like, I want to make some changes or I want to make some adjustments or I, I want to kind of move the trajectory just a little, little bit more this way in my life. And um, New Year's resolutions, uh, the good news is we all, I'm assuming we all want to get better. We want to grow. We want to uh, make 2023 all that it could be. Uh, the, the, the bad news is that most of our resolutions are abandoned by Valentine's Day. Uh, that's just literally the research tells us that. By the time we get to the middle of February, we're saying, you know what, enough of that. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go this way. Um, and the, the reason why, here's the reason why that many New Year's resolutions don't stick. It's because sometimes we want to change too much all at once. So we have this list of 14 things that we want to change rather than just one or two. Um, we, we don't have accountability. We don't go public. We don't access supports. Um, there, there are a handful of reasons why, why we don't um, you know, stick it through or see it through when it comes to the changes that we want to make in our lives. So um, is there something in your mind these days that you're saying, I would like to move past this. I would like to surrender that. I would like to grow this area of my life, adopt a new practice, uh, whatever that might look like. Um, new Year's resolutions, um, we're not against them here, um, but we're, we're inviting, inviting incremental progressive change throughout the year. And so this, this moment in time is a reset perhaps psychologically, but it can leverage us spiritually as well into something good and beautiful. And thanks be to God, as Pastor Gary was praying, he referenced that passage out of the book of Revelation where God is making all things new. And uh, if you were with us on Christmas Day, Pastor Gary teased me and my wife um, about the Narnia movies. So we, we had to watch all three of them over the Christmas break. And uh, I love that scene where Aslan, if you're familiar with it, he, he goes over to those creatures that had been under the spell of, the, of the, the, the witch, the white witch, and he breathes on them. And, and they, they come back to life again. Uh, that quote again from Tolkien's been going through my head, one day everything sad will become untrue. Love that. And that's because of the crucified, resurrected Jesus that with confidence we can say that one day everything sad will become untrue. And so um, this morning, whether you're online or with us in person, we're going to uh, talk about a passage of scripture, one of my favorites. It's the opening chapter of the book of Psalms. There's 150 Psalms, uh, but the first one really sets the stage in many ways for us. 
And um, so even after I just kind of went after these New Year's resolutions and how by the time middle of February rolls around, most of us have abandoned them, here's what the research tells us. And you know this as much as I do, but it's a good reminder today. Um, neuroscientists have told us or discovered that the brain can change. We actually are capable of changing. Our brain literally can um, change from day to day, moment to moment. And so because of neuroplasticity, we are um, aware of the fact that we don't have to remain the same. There are parts of ourselves that can change. Um, I want to introduce you to these three pathway ideas for just a moment. Uh, there are old pathways, new pathways, and ancient pathways. Old pathways are what's behind us. It's in the rear view mirror of our lives. There are these habits, or we could call well-worn pathways. In the brain, literally, when we repeat our behaviors over and over again, that's what a habit is. We, we sort of, the best way to describe it is walking through a field. You walk through it enough times, you, you have a pathway that you develop. Uh, repeat behaviors uh, cause the brain to change, and that's where habits become instinctive. After you've been driving for a bunch of years, you do all sorts of things instinctively. But when you were going for your driver's exam, you had to be very deliberate and intentional. Uh, I, you know, if you were doing it with a stick shift, with the clutch and all that. Do you remember those days if you learned on a standard, the clutch and the brake and the gas and, and all of that? But once you've been driving for a little while, the body just learns to do things instinctively. In fact, there's times when your brain, you can be thinking about so many other things, and you drive from your workplace home, and you say, I know I got home, but I don't remember half of the, the, the intersections I went through because you're doing things. You're kind of a little bit on autopilot because you've done them so often. These are the old pathways. The problem is when we have pa habits or patterns of behaving that are not serving us well, it's hard for us to break the old habits. Have you ever wondered why um, bad habits are so hard to break, but good habits are so easy to break? You noticed that before? It's, it's sort of like the stuff that's harmful, we, we find it difficult to break free from, but the good patterns, we can easily stop them. Um, and so we, we want to be consciously aware of where are these repeat behaviors taking us? Is it moving us through the trajectory of where we want to go with our lives, the old pathways? Then there's the new pathways, right? These new habits, we gotta cut some new paths. We gotta, we gotta find a new way through a field. And, and sometimes when we're starting new behaviors, it takes a lot of work because we haven't walked that way before. And, and the grass, the path's not well-worn yet. And so we need to expect there to be some challenge and difficulty as we begin to establish some new practices. Then there's these ancient pathways that I think we do very well, especially on a day like this, to think about. There are some tried, tested, and true um, patterns or pathways or habits or actions that have been uh, tried, tested, and found to be true. And we do well to explore those. In fact, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 6, verse 16, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths, he writes. Ask where the good way is. There is a good way. Ask for it. And walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But here's what Jeremiah said to the people. He said, um, you said, unfortunately, we will not walk in it. And then he says, I appointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. The trumpet is a warning call. Listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. We're not open to the warnings. We're not open to the trumpet sound. And so um, I'm inviting you today to join me in pursuing ancient pathways. 
The old perhaps hasn't served us. The new is out in front of us. But let's even reflect on that which we're considering as new and compare it, cross-compare it with the ancient. So uh, this passage to ponder this morning, if you're able, would you stand with me? It's for a one-off moment. We're going to recite this together loud enough for our neighbors to hear us. If you're in the room today, if you're online, I want to encourage you to say it so those who are in the room with you can hear you as well. And so um, Psalm chapter one in its entirety will be our text for this morning. Would you join me by reciting it? Here it goes. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. So Psalm chapter 1 serves as a signpost for us today as we consider a plan for flourishing. And uh, the opening word is blessed. And uh, there is this beautiful promise that says um, happiness is probably one way of, of translating it. Happy are those who move in this direction and who practice these practices and who bear this kind of fruit. And so I've got three thoughts for you. They're right from the text this morning. And the first one is this, if we're going to flourish, we're going to, according to Psalm chapter one, need to choose relationships wisely. Listen to the progression of David as he writes this opening verse in Psalm chapter one. There is a progression, even though it feels like it's more of a regression, there's a progression to it. He said, blessed is the one who does not walk, so there's movement here, does not walk in step with the wicked. So they found a companion and they're walking with them. And they happen to be, according to Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, they're in the category of wicked. He says, blessed is the one who does not walk or keep in stride or in step with the wicked. And here's the progression, even though it feels like regression. Or stand, so they stop, or stand in the way that sinners take. So you're walking along, then you're standing, having the conversation, building the relationship. Uh, Or he says, sit in the company of the mockers. And so David says, be very careful who you keep company with. You're just walking along the road. It seems quite casual. You stand to build some form of relationship, and then you pull up a chair. You have a conversation. You build something that's lasting. He says, be very careful. Um, There is a progression to these relationships. So um, the reason why relational caution is mentioned early in this psalm is that we are creatures of influence. Um, They can be incredibly helpful or maybe not so much. So relationships, the right kind of relationships, can be incredibly helpful. The writer of Ecclesiastes says this. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Two people can be way more productive. If either of them falls down, or sorry, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. 
But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And so we have this relational circle that we form. Uh, we have a, a dyad, a triad, a quad of relationship community of some sort. And when we get into trouble, we can get help from those people. Remember this, and I say it often around King Street, is that trouble never makes an advanced appointment on your calendar. Right? Whatever was most painful about 2022, you didn't see it coming. We didn't see some things coming in our life in 2022 as a family. There can be some very hard moments when all of a sudden it catches you off guard, takes your breath away. And here's the beautiful thing about being intentional about relationships. When the trouble comes and when the hardship arrives, it will reveal the quality of the relationships that you've built. Or it may also reveal the fact that you feel unsupported or undersupported in some way. So we always say, as Pastor Gary already mentioned, joining a circle, a healthy circle of relational connection around people who share your faith when the trouble comes, when the chips are down in your life, and they will be down at some point along the way, you have a circle of people that you can lean on. Um, I've been reading through the Bible already. I, I got an advanced head start on it. So I'm nearing the end of Genesis. I'm going through the Bible in a year. I'll share more about that in a few moments. But I read this morning about Jacob, uh, the story of Joseph, and Jacob brings his family down to Egypt, and, and Joseph introduces Jacob, his father, to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh asks him this question because he realizes how old Jacob is. And he says to Jacob, he says, how old are you? And I believe he said 130 years of age. And he said, my years have been few, but my troubles have been many. This is the patriarchs, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. My years have been fewer than my father's, but my troubles have been many. You know, if Jacob had a trouble-filled life, why would I expect that I won't have one? Remember the promise that Jesus gave his disciple friends? In this world or in this life, you will have trouble. But he told them to take heart because he'd overcome the world. I mentioned this, I believe, on Christmas Eve, is that both of these ideas are true. In this life, you will have trouble. And then also this idea that Jesus says, I've come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly, to give you a full life, the kind of life that David says, my cup overflows. Both are true. There will be trouble in 2023. I promise you that. And may God cause your cup to overflow. Both are true. But see, here's the beautiful thing when we walk with God. And the rest of the psalm will unpack this in just a moment. When we walk with God and we build a circle of community with people who share our common faith, trusted spiritual friendships, we can get through almost, I would say, anything when we go through it together. And so this whole idea that relationships can be incredibly helpful, two are better than one, makes perfect, perfect sense. I remember I was dating Pia. We hadn't been dating a year yet. And it got awfully serious um, because my grandfather had cancer. And we went to visit him in the hospital, and it was progressing pretty rapidly. And uh, he, he passed away at 69 years of age. And my grandmother was pushing him in a wheelchair through the, the corridors of the hospital. And P and I happened to be there with my mom and dad. And, and I saw my, my grandmother's love and passion and devotion to her husband, my grandfather. And I said to P, I said, would you push me around in a wheelchair? She said yes, and that's good news. 
But you want some people in your life who will be there for you when it gets hardest, who won't let go of the handles because it's too much work. They're there for you to bear you up. And so my first, our first invitation for you today is to recognize that relationships can be incredibly helpful in life. And so may it be one of your priorities this year to build really healthy ones. Okay, relationships are are not just uh, healthy and there's so much upside for them, but they're the primary way that we transmit values. As iron sharpens iron, Proverbs 27, so one man or woman sharpens another. For all the parents in the room today, caregivers, Deuteronomy chapter six, hear, O Israel, the Shema, to hear, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This was a central doctrinal idea for the Jewish people. The neighboring nations, polytheistic, He says, no, not you. Moses writes and says, not you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, the one true God. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. May 2023, you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Then he says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your own hearts. Moms and dads, caregivers, they can't be impressed upon your kids if they're not on yours first. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I love Moses and what he's writing there. He's saying, make sure you share your faith. Make sure you transmit and impress it. Make, make an impression on your kids. And so out of relationship is where values get transmitted. From one generation to the next, our primary obligation and responsibility as Christian parents is to make sure the next generation gets it. Now, they may reject it, And that doesn't mean you haven't done your job right or you haven't done your job well. Everybody in this world gets the choice to say yes or no to those opportunities that are in front of us. And so you can do everything right and still have a child reject the values of the Christian faith. But I can pretty much guarantee you that every now and then there'll be an exception to this. But if you are not deliberate and intentional about transmitting values, the odds and likelihood of your kids catching them go way, way down. And so the best way for us to transmit values is out of relationship. And so I invite you to do this today. Flourishing requires relational selectivity. If you're a young adult in this place today and you're looking for that partner, the person to spend the rest of your life with, be selective, be choosy. There are no perfect people in the world. None of us are. But if you're looking for a partner to do life with, um, have a list of things that are like non-negotiable. And then have an area where they're nice to haves, right? It's like, this would be wonderful to have, but it's not a deal breaker. Um, But the ones that are non-negotiable, hold tightly to those. Here's one, marry a believer. Marry a believer. When you have shared values, everything becomes easier. Marriage is never easy but it's a little bit easier when you share values, right? You're going to raise kids together one day. You want to have Jesus at the center. And so play it forward. This is one thing that humans have the beautiful capacity to do. We can remember and we can imagine. We can look forward. 
And we can see the patterns and where the pattern's going to lead us. Be careful, if you're younger here today, that you're not short-sighted. Have the long view in mind. And if you struggle with the long view, get around some older people like me and ask me about what the longer view might look like. I get around some older people from me and I ask them what the longer view might look like. It's really, really a helpful thing to do. Walk with the wise, Proverbs 13 says, and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. So we have this ability to transmit values and who we spend time with, we generally become like. And uh, I really like what John Maxwell says. He says, not everybody's prepared to go where you need to go. So be selective on who you spend primary time with. And he says, you can't soar with the eagles when you are, what does he say? When you are waddling with the turkeys. (laughs) You can't soar with the eagles when you're waddling with the turkeys. You know what? Eagles don't waddle and turkeys don't soar. So have your discernment meter on, tuned up nicely to say, I think I'm in the presence of an eagle. I want to soar with him. I want to soar with her. And I think I might be in the presence of a turkey. I don't know if I want to spend the rest of my life waddling around where they're headed. All right, two more thoughts. If we want to have a plan to flourish, immerse yourself in the ways of God. Immerse yourself in the ways of God. David moves from... Uh, an avoidance pursuit model here to more of a contrast part of the conversation. So he says earlier um, in verse one, he says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, he says, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his day on his On his law, day and night, that person is like a tree. What a difference. What a contrast. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever they do prospers. Uh, We don't preach prosperity around King Street as a gospel um, tenet, but what we do believe is that God does lift. When we say yes to the gospel, he lifts us. Uh, There's a social lift when a large community says yes to the ways of God. God's ways work, and it's not that they don't come without challenge or difficulty or trouble, but there is a lift that happens when we say yes to the ways of God. Whatever they do prospers. Again, this passage is not a law. It's not a formula, but the poet is writing and saying, generally speaking, here's what happens. When we immerse ourselves in the ways of God, God provides a beautiful, beautiful lift. So, immersing ourselves in the ways of God, why is it important? Let me just share this, these two or three thoughts quickly with you. The ways of God, because all of us are human, made in the image and likeness of God, there is a spark, so to speak, within us. The divine spirit has um, supported and strengthened and caused you and I to have life in us today. There is a sense in which the Holy Spirit is present in every human person, even those who've not said yes to the leadership of Jesus because they are being supported and sustained. God's spirit supports every living creature. And so there is a sense in which every human being who's made in the image and likeness of God has a conscience, right? So the ways of God are intuitive, in the sense that all of us has this, we have this capacity to know right from wrong. And whether we train it well or not, or whether we kind of turn a deaf ear to it, 
uh, is another whole conversation. But generally speaking, humans have this intuitive way of knowing the ways of God. There is a conscience at play. But here's the important piece. The conscience needs to be trained or informed. And this is the immersion into the ways of God, training in the ways of God. Formation is a very, very important word when we think about the the life in the spirit or growing up to resemble Jesus. We are being formed. Uh, Paul used a word um, in Greek to help us, this idea of morphing, to change. And he uses it in a context, uh, one context, to help us understand what it means to have Jesus formed in us. And he uses the example of a um, embryo in a woman uh, that is growing and growing and growing and, be, and, and be, becomes a child at birth. Christ is being formed in the womb of the woman. Christ is being formed in us. This is, this is something that happens moment by moment. It's an incremental, we talk about this around King Street, it's an incremental approach to spirituality. In other words, it's just one moment after the moment. We say this, what's the next right thing to do? And so we build a life of doing the next right thing incrementally. It's progressive, moving us in the same direction. And over time, after building uh, beautiful patterns and, and behaviors and practices, it forms, they form, the spirit uses it to form Christ in us. And so being immersed in the ways of God is precept upon precept, principle upon principle. And this is why inviting you to keep your nose in the good book is a beautiful practice. I would say this to you today, it is not possible for us to be formed progressively into the image of Jesus without reading consistently and regularly and internalizing it the word of God. And so we do this very deliberately. If you're new to King Street, there's these seasons on the Christian calendar known as Lent and Advent. We invite our church family very deliberately to read scripture together. Well, this is another beautiful moment in time to say, I am going to read God's word consistently. Um, I'm doing a a scripture uh, Bible reading plan with some people from our church called uh, it's from the Bible Project, and it's this one story that leads to Jesus. And it's 365 days, comes with some fantastic videos. I would recommend you, if you have never read the Bible through in a year. Now, it, it's a big commitment, by the way. Last year, I took a break. I just chose a handful of books. I did a deeper dive, and it was wonderful. But I missed the survey, so to speak, of all of God's beautiful revelation in his word. If you've never read the Bible through in a year, it's about a 15-minute commitment, maybe not even that, 10 to 15-minute commitment every day, and you have a guide who will take you through it, and the wonderful thing about the Bible Project is some of the books of the Bible are hard for us to get our head and heart around. They'll give you a four or five-minute video, which is a survey of the book, and it's just a beautiful way of saying, ah, I got the context now, wonderful, and then you go in and read the next chapter and the next chapter, and book after book, and there are some books a little harder than others. And it's an exercise in discipline to go through it. But it can be a wonderful thing by the time you get to the end of the year to say, I think I did it. It'd be a wonderful thing to do. So if you haven't, join me. I'm, uh, I'm making my way through the back end of the book of Genesis. I started early this year and binged because I had some time off. I was binging. And I said to my family, I'm binging a little bit more because I might have a busy day here and there. And it's like, oh, my word, things got away on me. And I want to make sure I finish on time and do it. So... Why don't you come join me at Bible Project? It's um, the one story that leads us to Jesus. Um, Okay, so time is moving here. Uh, 
This is the truth about who we are. We're living in a culture where, again, the spirit is wanting to form Jesus in us, a full recovery of the image of God to become the people we were intended to be all along. But then the culture has other ideas, other values, wants to shape us in a different image, in a different likeness. And so Paul writes to the Ephesian Christians and says, every day when you get up, put on the armor of God. There is a spiritual environment that we're living in, spiritual conflict, the unseen dimension. This is what I love about the Narnia movies. It helps us consider the unseen dimension of what's going on and and how it impacts the seen dimension. So here's here's what Paul writes. Many of you are familiar with these words. Uh, He writes in Ephesians 6, finally be strong in the Lord. In 2023, do you want to be strong? Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, not your own and in his Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He has some tactics formed against you and against me in 2023. We don't know what they are entirely, but there are some. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, not against humans, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. They do exist. Therefore, he says, in light of that, that we're living in a spiritually conflicted world, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. The day of evil will come. And Paul says, make sure you're ready. You may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Take these things with you every day. And so it's from exposure to the ways of God that we gain knowledge about the good and beautiful life. So when you and I immerse ourselves in the ways of God, what we learn when we read the Bible on a consistent basis is that um, we should take good care of ourselves. You know, sometimes um, churches will emphasize, and we've done it in, in the past, where we would say, let's start 2023 taking good care of our bodies, our minds, our relationships, our soul, our finances. You know, let's take inventory. We only learn about good, healthy self-care from understanding scripture. By, the Bible teaches us that we should take very good care of ourselves, that we should take very good care of neighbor and others, that we should practice good creation care. This, the, the earth is the Lord's and everything. This world belongs to God. And so we practice self-care, other care, and creation care because we've immersed ourselves in the ways of God. And so there are so many upsides for you, not to mention the fact that we get to know who God is and we get to know what he's invited us to do with our lives. And so I hope you'll do a deeper dive into God's word in 2023. Finally, my last thought, and it's brief, is this. Remember, if we want to flourish, when I have a plan to flourish, remember that it's the root that feeds the fruit. Remember that it's the root that feeds, that feeds the fruit. Um, fruitfulness does not happen by accident. It requires great intentionality. And so I love what the writer of Psalm 1 says. He says, that person... That person who is fruitful is like a tree planted by streams of water. They've planted themselves deliberately right by a water source, by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Doesn't matter what the season is, they're still fruitful. It's not just one season in their life, but all seasons. 
It yields its fruit in season and whose life does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, he says. They are like the chaff that the wind blows away. What a contrast there. So for us today, be very careful where you put down your roots. It's the root that feeds the fruit. And uh, if you want to be the kind of person that bears the kind of fruit that lasts... Put your roots down into Jesus, first and foremost, into him. And if you haven't decided yet for yourself to follow Jesus, don't put off later into 2023 what you can decide to do today. Following Jesus is a process. Uh, None of us have become expert Jesus followers. We're all learning what it means to follow Jesus. This process of discipleship has some twists and turns on the road. There are some ups and downs. There are some wins and there are some losses. And, uh, but to make that advanced decision on a regular basis to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. Keep making that advanced decision on a regular basis. It will serve you well in life. The pathway to the good and beautiful life comes through Jesus. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He invites us. If you want to live the kind of life that's good and beautiful, it comes through Jesus, is lived with Jesus. Remember what Jesus taught, I believe it's John 15, about bearing fruit. Unless we stay connected to the vine, unless we, in John's words, abide, right, stay connected, we will not bear fruit and fruit that lasts. And so um, we don't know what 2023 holds. I can promise you there will be some hard. And I can also promise you that there will be beautiful moments in your life along the way where you will discover that even in the middle of the hard, God has proven faithful. Have you proven him to be faithful in 2022? He's been so good to me and my family. There were some lows in 2022 for my family. There were some wonderful highs as well. And God was with us through both. And uh, here's the other thing. You know that I'm not the kind of preacher teacher who does this in order to um, set you up emotionally. But it's good for us to always, um, Scripture says this, to number our days. You never know when you're in the last year of your life. You never know that. And um, life can deliver some curveballs for us. So as your pastor today, can I just say this to you? Live every day right with God. Live every day right with God. Before you put your head on your pillow, search your heart. Ask the Spirit to help your conscience be aware of what needs to be talked about with Him. And as best you can, in the words of Paul, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As best you can, don't have unfinished business with humans that are within your power to resolve. And if you do that, Live right with God every day and have very little to no unfinished business with humans. I can promise you that you'll walk more lightly in the world and you'll feel a sense of congruence about your life and you'll move forward and be useful in the kingdom of God and you'll start saying, I feel like I'm doing what I was made to do with my life. Because we were made by God for God. And He's also put us in communities where we can add value and be helped. And so uh, my prayer for you is that 2023 will be just a wonderful year of flourishing. May you flourish in every way. I went for my long prayer walk this morning, and I prayed for so many people by name, starting with my family, 
And uh, my prayer was that they would be blessed and that they would flourish, body, soul, mind, and spirit, and that God would do incredible things with them. And uh, so before we go today, it would feel like we just didn't do it right if we didn't have a moment of consecration, where on this very first day of a brand new year, you would make a decision to consecrate yourself to God and, and say, Lord, I'm bringing these parts of me to you that have a tendency to get away on me. Or I've got some areas in my life that I just need to corral for a moment and say, there they are. Can you bring some semblance of order out of this? Or would you do something in these areas of my life? Or here I am, blank page, God. Write the story you want to write and help me to, to write where I'm supposed to write and to allow you to take over with the pen and just to write a beautiful narrative that glorifies and honors you. So if you want to consecrate yourself to the Lord today, now, again, um, for some of you, you might say, I've consecrated myself to the Lord and I feel, I feel like I've, I've done that and I'm in a good place and that's wonderful. And at the same time, can you ever not consecrate yourself enough? Um, but if, if you're at a place right now where you're saying, yeah, I feel like I want to consecrate, that's a, a sense of giving myself over again to God and his purposes. Would you stand with me? And I'm going to pray. We're going to pray together and consecrate our lives to the Lord and the year that's in front of us. Okay, Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you today that you are always with us and you hear us when we pray. Um, thank you, Lord, for the beautiful um, reminder in the second last chapter of the book of the Bible. You are making all things new and you are making us new too, Lord. Thanks be to God that your spirit is patient and powerful. You are both patient and powerful. You um, walk with us, you understand us, you love us. Um, you know us better than we know ourselves. And you have power to do what we cannot do. And uh, I love the proverb that says, the steps of a righteous man or a woman are ordered of the Lord. Would you order our steps in 2023 so that we accomplish your purposes as a church community, as a group of individuals and families represented here today? May you order our steps. And we thank you today, God, that we're not righteous on our own, but you make us righteous. And those who are standing in your presence today are re-consecrating themselves, or perhaps for the very first time, to um, live the kind of life that flourishes, first and foremost, by coming through Jesus. We honor and acknowledge and esteem you today as king. You are the king over the world, over the universe, and we choose to come under your leadership in our lives. So we consecrate ourselves to your kingly leadership over us. We also consecrate ourselves today, God, to be good stewards of the gifts that you've entrusted to us. Would you help us, Lord, to um, prove trustworthy uh, by deploying that which you've put in our hands for your glory and your honor and to help our brothers and sisters and neighbors. So Lord, we again choose today to say that which has been put in our hands, help us to prove faithful. And Lord, we also pray today that you would enlist us in maybe some new fresh ways this year in service of your kingdom Lord, with our gifts, with the gifts that you've entrusted to us, all the things you've invited us to steward wisely and well, and help us, Lord, to set aside time for seeking you and serving you. And uh, so, Lord, I'm standing with my brothers and sisters today in this place, consecrating myself 
to be the pastor, to be the husband, to be the father, to be the friend, to be the son, to be the brother, to be all the things, God, you've called me to be. Help me and help every other person who's standing here today to truly fulfill your purposes over our lives. And if by chance this is our last go-around in 2023, Lord, help us to live every day ready for your soon return or for our departure, whatever that might look like. God, help us to live with one eye on this world being as present as possible and anticipating the kingdom to come and the glory and the beauty of that awesome moment in time when you come for us and when you make all things new and we see it. Lord Jesus, we trust you, we honor you, we seek you. Forgive us, Lord, for the things left undone. Show us, Lord, if there's things we ought to do to make right in this world that are our responsibility. And help us, God, to again recognize that we are never alone, but you are always with us. And we consecrate ourselves again today, Lord, as a community. May you cause this church to be incredibly healthy. Lord, I don't pray for her growth as much as I pray for her health. I do believe that healthy things grow and growing things change, but I pray for each and every one of us who are standing here today that you would make us healthy, Jesus-following people. And those who are watching online, that there would be a beautiful consecration moment wherever they're watching this gathering. And we pray all of this in the awesome name of God, who is forever Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you agree with this prayer, would you say a big hearty amen? Amen. 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 All right. All right, so 2023 is here. You can remain standing for just a moment because I'm just going to wrap up here. I don't think there's any announcements apart from the fact that you are faithful and generous givers. Thank you. Uh, there are giving drop boxes on the way out if you've come prepared to give here in our, our worship gathering. Those who are watching online, you can give online. Just head over to kingstreet.org. You can find all sorts of ways to give in support of what God is doing here at King Street Community Church. Next week, we're starting a new series called Voices. Uh, there are a lot of competing voices out there in the world, and in 2023, some uh, knobs of the volume need to be adjusted and turned down, and others need to be turned up. So it'll be a, a good series of reminding ourselves of the right kind of voices we should be listening to. Can I leave you with a blessing benediction in 2023? All right. Would you put your hands out if you're comfortable? This is a receiving moment. And uh, I have really high view of this blessing. And I know there are lots of benedictions in scripture, but this is a, a tried and tested ancient one. Uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his loving countenance towards you and give you much peace and much grace in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Happy New Year to you and have a great rest of the day.